sometimes companies live in a bubble where they're like, well, you know, we have to achieve X, Y, and Z, but they don't think about, okay, well, cool, but what at the moment, like say, for example, with marketing technology, companies are laying off people left, right, and center. Marketing teams are being slashed. If there's no marketers, who's going to buy and use the marketing technology? The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenau. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the B2B MX podcast. We are here in a pretty quiet marketplace because it's early in the morning, breakfast is just starting, and we are here with Narosha Methananda of Sati Marketing Group. She was one of our fabulous speakers at B2B SMX this week. She actually did a workshop and a breakout session, so I kept her pretty busy, but it's all good. And yeah, we're really, really excited to be with her today to kind of just dig in a little more about her session on scaling a B2B marketing program for company growth. So Kelly's here right across from me, and we're really excited to get started. So first up, I just want you guys to get to know Narosha a little more. I've known her for a few years now, and she's absolutely lovely. So Narosha, welcome. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Claudia, for that very generous introduction. We have known each other, and likewise, the team is someone or a group of people that I really look forward to working with. So thank you for always putting on these events. Just a little bit about me. I'm the chief marketing maven at Sati Marketing, as she said. I'm the only one at Sati Marketing, so I got to call myself whatever I like. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've had about 15 years of experience in B2B marketing through legal, retail and into tech from that way. And so most recently I was with a company called Influ2 as their VP of marketing and then before that at Bombora. And, you know, prior to that I was at PwC Australia and I mentioned that because, you know, in each of these roles I've sort of been tasked with coming in and being able to help build out their function. They've sort of been new to market or in niche categories or have very small marketing functions. And so that's sort of where I found a bit of my niche and and where I find my passion. I'm a generalist marketer. I like to sort of stay across everything and I proudly wear that badge. I don't know how many people (laughs) wear that badge anymore, but I certainly do. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Oh, and the accent. No, I don't just speak funny. I'm Australian. (laughs) The accent is absolutely beautiful. I absolutely love it. (laughs) We love it here. We do not have good accents. (laughs) I've been trying. I guess I said to someone yesterday, you know, I haven't managed to do the Elle McPherson or Kylie Minogue thing. (laughs) I'm getting rid of the accent. I just can't do it. I'd be be a total failure in Hollywood. Ironically, as I live in LA. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you should keep it. It's absolutely fabulous. Thank you. Yes, we vote to keep it. Okay. (laughs) So I'd like to dive a little more into Sati Marketing Group. What led to the launch of that? Yeah, I mean, look, I think like many other people within the market in tech at the minute, you know, I found myself without a role. It's a really daunting thing 
And something that I've wanted to do for a long time is be able to basically control my future, control what I do. I'm a visitor in the US and that was a large part of being able to control what I do. I've wanted to move into consulting and help smaller businesses. I worked in consulting at PwC in Australia. We worked with really large organisations, which was really cool and fun. But what I really like about working with smaller organisations is you can really see a tangible difference. And I just like seeing that impact of it. And so really that was the anthesis of it. Over the years, you know, I've seen different marketing trends sort of rise and fall. And something for me, just personally, that's important is mindfulness. And that's something that I want to bring to Sati marketing. So Sati in Sanskrit actually means mindfulness. So it's about mindful marketing. And what that means is about being thoughtful about what you're doing, how it's going to affect and across the whole, you know, strategy of the business or whatever it is, rather than just tactically from that perspective. So that was really really where it came from. So we're in early days, but I'm looking forward to the journey. That's awesome. And congratulations. And I think that's such a beautiful name and beautiful kind of reference. And I'd absolutely believe that at this point in time, we are at the end of the day, everyone's marketing to humans and you have to be thoughtful and mindful and really just understand where people are coming from and their lives at this time, especially because it's just so crazy nowadays. All right. So, I mean, we covered a few things about Sati and you also spoke yesterday. Uh, it was called From 20 to 200 People, How to Scale Your B2B Marketing Program for Company Growth. All right. How did the session go? Give us a little Obviously, a lot of people back home are not here with us, so they didn't get a chance to hear the session, but maybe we'll play it on the podcast. You never know. Stay tuned. So tell us how it went and what were some of the key takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I think it was well received. We certainly had a couple of questions afterwards. I had a lot of content, so I had to kind of speed talk through it. So I know. I'm very fortunate that everyone sort of stuck to the end and stuck through with me. I think a lot of people are the moment in roles where they're either stepping up into leadership or they've been left with a team that is smaller than what they would expect and anticipate. So really the session was about how to think about that in terms of your strategy, in terms of like what your team is, in terms of your metrics. So yeah, I think it went well. You know, I had to speed talk. I had a lot of content that I had to get through. (laughs) So I really appreciate everyone sticking with me. But really what we were going through was, you know, a lot about how to set up, what you need to set up. And we went through the strategy, the structure of the team, the what you do with the tech stack, and then your metrics and how you'd look at that. The reason I sort of chose that was because, you know, I think there's a lot of marketers at the moment that are either, you know, first time going into a leadership role, and then they're kind of looking for where to start. I know that I was like that as well when I started. And, you know, there's also other other leaders that have to sort of, <laughs> the phrase of the year, I think, do less with more. And I think being just looking for that help and that guidance and that's what it was sort of covering um, similar with the workshop as well from that perspective. How has like just your knowledge in general and how has your past work, you know, mm-hmm. at Bombora yep. and Flu2, you know, what did you take away from those roles that kind of led to this session? Yeah, I mean, I think what I learned, at Bombora, I did a lot of learning at Bombora. So, you know, I was employee number 20. When I left Bombora, we were about 200 people. So that's really where it came from. I think what I learned was a lot about management and about the team and what you need to do. Also about in terms of your marketing and how you structure it and what you go to market with. 
being able to pull everything together, working with sales and CS from that perspective and then product and being able to pull that whole lot together. That was something that for me was a big learning and it's difficult because, you you know, sometimes it's like herding <laughs> cats <laughs> from, from that perspective. But those were things that were big learnings. I think at Influ2, I sort of took a lot of those learnings from Bumbora and then applied them to building out the marketing function there from that perspective. And it was a lot, you know, that was a lot shorter stint. But in terms of what was built comparable to Bumbora, like what took sort of five years at Bumbora, at Influ2, that function was built within to about 80%, you know, 70 to 80% of what we had. And the learnings that I'd had were sort of implemented there to, to get up and scale that function from that perspective. So that was really my learnings, I think, from there. Very cool. All right. So now you said that you had so much content to go through. You ran out of time. Well, we have plenty of time here, so awesome. we're going to dig into it a little bit more. Cool. So could you just let us know how can marketers build a marketing strategy that aligns to company growth? Yeah. So I think the first thing for me is really about listening. I think, you know, if you're going into a new role or even if you're if you're in a role at the minute, it's really stopping to listen, you know, to the business. And it's not just stopping to listen actually, it's about constantly listening to the business and understanding what's going on. But as it relates to strategy, that's usually where I start in terms of knowing like talking to the team, understanding where they're at, understanding what programs they have in place if I'm new in, in the business. If I'm not new, I look at okay, what are we doing? How is it working? What can we keep? How can we innovate? Whatever it is. And then really identifying throughout the organization, okay, who are the key stakeholders? What are their priorities? And how do they map back to what what you're doing from a marketing perspective? So really that for me is the key to aligning to what the business needs. The other thing is really looking out into the market, (laughs) making yourself aware of what's going on, making yourself aware of what your competitors are doing, what the opportunities are, and looking at some of these outlying factors. Like I think sometimes we live in a or sometimes companies live in a bubble where they're like, well, you know, we have to achieve X, Y, and Z, but they don't think about, okay, well, cool, but what at the moment, like say, for example, with marketing technology, companies are laying off people left, right, and center. Marketing teams are being slashed. If there's no marketers, who's going to buy and use the marketing technology? Like, (laughs) you know, it's just common. So, you know, I think that's why it's important to, in your strategy, pull that information in so you're understanding, okay, well, what are all these different factors? And this isn't just at a marketing level. It should be at a company level and that's what should be considered. But I think a lot of companies are just running so hard and fast and they're just thinking about, okay, how can I get that lead in the door? How can I get that that deal or whatever it is? And not necessarily thinking long-term about what it is they need to do. So I'm a massive advocate of strategy. And in fact, in the workshop, I went through a list of interview questions that is actually available as a resource that I'd sort of pull together for people to ask before and during their employment. And one of them is about company stability and looking at like what the plan is. And, you know, from my perspective, I've walked into a number of companies where there is no company strategy. And for me, that's worrying because sometimes what then the expectation is the strategy has to come from marketing. That's not right. <laughs> like marketing can't do everything. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You, yeah. I've worked at organizations where 
I guess the team have been, have been like, well, like marketing is kind of expected to tell them what, what they're doing or what the direction is. And it's like, well, that's not what the purpose of marketing is. It's to take that direction that you have and, you know, bring it to life. Um, if, you, if you want me to tell you the whole direction, sure, I'll just be CEO. <laughs> <laughs> Great, might as well. Yeah, why not? So now to break down that strategy a little bit more to make mm. it a little more manageable and bite-sized, what do early, mid and late stage marketing teams need for success? Yeah, so I think with the strategy, like it depends on where you're at from a business perspective. So if you're building a brand new function, there are obviously things that you're going to need to put in place. So what I look at from a team perspective, and this really will stem from your strategy, I look at brand ops, demand and product as like core functions that you need to build from an early, in an early stage marketing team. And then what I do is build sort of off this. So if you look, if early stage is about building up your foundations, when you go to a mid stage, it's really about finding efficiency and adding value. So I don't know, let's take, for example, demand. When you're setting up a demand function, you're looking to set up what your systems are, what your promotions and communications are, and then being able to understand what the metrics are that are coming back. When you move into more of a mid-stage, you've hopefully established all of those basics and then you're building on top of them. So if you're looking to accelerate your programs, if you're looking to diversify your channels, you're looking to diversify your content or whatever it is, that's sort of the build-up. And then for a later stage company, it's really about optimization and scale because, you know, you've got a larger team who are hopefully more connected I say hopefully because you know, <laughs> this is all great in theory and that's what I said like you have to adjust but you know if you've got a larger scheme team you're looking to be able to service all of those teams and you're looking to be able to segment out your market so that you can really hone in and go after what it is that you need from that perspective so that's how I'd look at a team and I think there are different roles that I recommended to be able to build out at each stage. As I said, I'm at the start, I'm a generalist by nature, so I'm kind of able to fill the gaps. But, you know, there are things that I look at as a, from my perspective that I can't necessarily do. Like I'm not a Salesforce administrator. I don't want to go and get into it. So for me, like having RevOps is really important. And if I prioritize it at an early stage, it's having product. You know, I can fill a gap with product, but having someone who's able to get into the product, especially if it's a niche product, it's really important to understand what that is, be able to create that product content and create that connection back to market and translate it. And then then it's about brand because you might have a great product, might be a no-brainer, but if you have no brand and trust in market, good luck. And then demand. So that's a little bit of a controversial view because I, you know, I sort of, I know everyone like pounces on demand, but like the fact of the matter is if you don't have your processes, if you don't have your data, if you don't have any product content and you don't have at least some trust in your brand, like what demand are you going to generate? That's just my humble opinion. Yeah, fascinating. That's great. So let's go back to the tech conversation. Obviously, lots of technologies in the marketplace right now and you have been a marketing leader yeah. at, at some of these companies. I mean, yeah. Bombora and Influ2 are yeah. huge. So 
let's talk tech stacks. Where should practitioners start? How do they scale? What's important? Any tech-related advice yeah. that you could give? I mean, people are on budgets now. Like, yeah. Let's go. You know, what do they do? Yeah, for sure. Like where I think in an early stage you're probably going to need to invest is in RevOps and demand. I think that's where you do your sort of heavy investment. I think from a brand perspective, from a product perspective, it's really about content creation and generation and being able to categorize and disseminate it. And those, there are fairly rudimentary tools that you can use to be able to do that. You know, you don't need to boil the ocean, I think, with your tech. That's one thing. A rule that I always apply is like, if it's not making your life easier in some way, what is the point of it. Right. I told a story about and uh, at Bombora when I went went to Bombora, they had Salesforce and it wasn't being used. So it fell on marketing to, you know, set up their Salesforce. That was something that I knew that we needed. We also had Terminus from an ABM perspective, but there was not really much content going out. There was no like database or segmentation of the audience. So it was just something that had been brought on board. And this is not no knock on Terminus at all. Mm. We just weren't at a stage of maturity to be able to use their product. Right. And I think that's one of the things that you need to kind of think about, like when you're looking at tech, are you at a stage from a maturity perspective to be able to make the most of it? What is it going to take to like resource it and implement it and resource it? Because the thing is with tech, right, I've had this happen where you get a demo and you see the demo, it's like, oh, this is brilliant. Like, mm -hmm. so amazing. It looks so easy. And then you get to implementation and it's not so easy. Yeah. And then ongoing maintenance is hard. And if you have a small team, like, good luck doing that from that perspective. So I think it's really important to think about that. And then the final part of it is about scale. Because usually when you're going and investing in large tech platforms, you spend quite a bit of time going through that RFP process. So like if a product is not going to scale for the growth of the company or the growth of the team or the need of the business or whatever it is, that's going to be inefficient because if you're having to like change a platform after a year, like you're again have to, going to have to go through, I don't know, another month, two months. That's a waste of time. Yeah. So, you know, you can't predict everything, but these are the things for me that I check off when I look at, mm -hmm. at different tech. And look, I'm a, obviously, I've got a vested interest, particularly in Bora. But the thing is, if you don't, like what I saw with Bumbori is intent data is obviously enjoying its time. And look, it can be very, very, very powerful. But you need to be able to have the bait, like have the foundations of what you need to make use of it. If you're just sort of rushing into it, you're not going to get the value. And then, you know, unfortunately, you'll get a bad taste in your mouth. But then you have to kind of <laughs> look in the mirror a little bit from my perspective and, and sort of say, well, were we ready for that or were we not? So, yeah. 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 I mean, it's been talked about so, so often, you know, that shiny new toy syndrome and that landscape is growing so much. I mean, we're, you know, Scott Breaker's landscape was like over 11,000 tools. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they're all probably fun and fancy, but yeah. do you really need them? So that's really, really great advice. So now just to wrap things up and put a neat little bow on this, what are some of the best approaches to communicating and reporting on the value of marketing? Yeah. So I think measurement is super important. It's something that you shouldn't skip over. And then I think making sure you have the right measurements in place. I saw this great, actually, and I shared it at the in the presentation. I saw this great deck from someone named Leslie Law. She's she's, a, she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So she, smart. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. I saw her presentation. It's called Metrics That Matter. 
And my gosh, it was the first thing in a long time that made any sense to me. You know, I think you can overcomplicate your metrics and so on and so forth, but it's really, as she's put the title on her presentation, it's about what matters. She has a really great approach to it in terms of looking at contribution, marketing contribution versus sourced or influenced or whatever it is. I think language is super important. I've always been a stickler for making sure you use the right words, especially internally, like when you have internal (laughs) projects and things like that, because it starts to stick and it creates a perception. And I think with metrics, it's super important to be able to create the right perspective and perception around what marketing is doing and the value that they're delivering. So that's one thing. But looking at the contribution, looking about the renewals, and then the other thing that I I also sort of, when I was going through sort of my analysis of it, I think it's really important to think like a CRO, in all honesty. So, you know, a CRO looks at the lifetime value versus the CAC, like the cost of acquisition. And so being able to actually figure that out for marketing, so what the marketing contribution is versus what the marketing investment is, I think is something that's really powerful as well. And we can share that. We can share that information. I think that's a really powerful thing. From my perspective, I think either marketing is going to have to report to a CRO or that CMO role is going to move into a CRO role. So being aware of what that context is and what that frame is, I think is super important from a metrics perspective. And then the communication bit, Kelly, where that comes in is making sure that you're telling you're telling the right story to the right audience, right? So this is like marketing 101, yeah. but to your internal audience. So it's like for the executives, making sure you have the relevant metrics for them, for the team, making sure they have the relevant metrics. And then for the broader business, making sure you're communicating what you are doing, what your metrics are, what your wins are, and acknowledging that. Because I think if you don't tell people what it is that you're doing, they won't know. And I think in marketing, that visibility is really important. I don't know, for me, I kind of have tended to sort of put my head down and run and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just, you know, next, 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 next. And it's something that I have to be mindful of to sort of stop communicate and make sure that I'm telling people what we're doing and when we're winning, when we're not, whatever it is. So, yeah. Awesome. Easy. Easy. Yeah, so easy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's just wrap things up a little bit here. We have our keynote starting in just a little while, but let's give the audience a little FOMO. What was your favorite part of the event and some of your big takeaways? Yeah, so I think my favorite part of coming to these events is actually it's just being able to see the people that I know and connect with them. We are in such a remote world and I just have two cats to talk to. <laughs> I know how you feel. I talk yeah. to my dog and my cat all the time. Yeah, so it's really nice to be able to see familiar faces, to meet new people. One thing I really actually appreciate is, you know, and this is something that you know that I've, I've really enjoyed and, and that's sort of the generation of some of these workshops and, and sessions. You know, I like meeting people who, you know, sort of in need of that mentorship and have that ability to ask that question. I think that's a really important thing to be able to do. And it's something I kind of wish that I had Mm. when I was, you know, growing up, so to speak. (laughs) So, yeah, I think those have been some of the most fulfilling moments for me, in all honesty. Yeah, I think that that rings true for a lot of people. Everybody either is stuck on Zoom calls all day and seeing the same faces, which, you know, obviously we all love our colleagues, but it's nice to get out there and and see what other people are doing at their jobs and, and all that. So we're so happy to have had you here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. So I think we have our big, fancy, famous wheel 
We'll do one quick spin, Narosha, and, okay. a, and a fun little question for you. All right. So. Okay, cool. I'm spinning now. If you can hear that. Oh, I didn't. Give it a better. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, cool. <laughs> there I'm not you strong go. enough. I need to have my Wheaties. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we say in Australia. I don't know if you have that here. It's like, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, question 14. What excites you about the future of B2B marketing and sales? Mm-hmm. What excites me? I think. What excites me most about the future is it's unknown. I think that marketing and sales is probably on a tipping point for a number of different reasons. There is at the moment, I think, a real trend towards, for, especially for marketing in consulting and fractional services. So I think that's going to potentially change the dynamic of what marketing teams are and how they operate and how businesses see them. I think with sales, that human-to-human connection, I think it's sort of gone from human-to-human to to mass orchestration and communication back to -to human-to-human. And then with all of the different technologies, you know, obviously generative AI, et cetera, you know, I think that ability to be more personal, to be more connected and to cross over between, especially in B2B, from the business to personal and have that deep connection and understanding of who your buyer is, I think that's going to be quite exciting. So that's what I sort of see and I'm, I'm excited for. And I think ultimately it's about, for me, it's about the experience for the, for the end user. And I think that's hopefully moving in a direction where it's, I don't know, surprise and delight really. So yeah, that's what I'm excited about. Great. Well, thank you so much again for being with us and taking the time to to chat with us here. Hope you enjoy the rest of your event. And yeah, just safe travels home. So good to see you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, folks, that is officially a wrap on this episode. As usual, make sure to subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice so you are always in the loop for our new episodes. And of course, make sure to connect with us on all of our social media channels. Let us know who else you want to hear from, what topics you're interested in, and anything else you have for us. We'll talk soon.